0: this podcast is produced by kpp financial steve peasley president kpp financial independent thinking shared success and now today's podcast you're listening to an encore presentation of invest talk Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Welcome to Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have, as long as they're financial. 888 99Chart is our number, 888 992 4278. Let's go to Sid in Fremont. How are you doing, Sid? I work
2: for um, a big bank about a decade ago and had a 401k uh, going with them. So this is about 10 years back. And in the last month, after receiving quarterly statements, et cetera, from them, they pretty much blew out my account and sent me a check for
1: it all. I don't like that. You know why I don't like that, Sid? Well, I don't like it either, but what's your reason? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's a distribution of a retirement account to you. How old are you? 41. See. You're going to get taxed and penalty if you don't immediately put that into an IRA. It's a 401k. Everybody listen up. A 401k is a retirement account. Money is put in there that is pre-taxed. When you leave an employer, my thing is I always tell people don't leave it there because you'll forget about it if it's not very big or you'll just let it sit there. And they do stuff like this. Here, they sent you a check, and they probably gave you an explanation. They probably sent you a form letters so you probably threw away because it looked like junk mail. They probably did that, and they may not. Maybe they sent it to an old address. But be careful, Sid, because now you have this money in your hand. I would check with my accountant to say, how do I treat this so I don't get a tax problem on this thing? I'm not an expert accountant, that's why I said it. But I can tell you this, if you tax that money, you're going to get tax and penalty on it. Because what they did when they send you a check, they notified the government, the IRS.
2: What they, if I call the IRS and just say, "Here, this is what's happened. What should I
1: do?" I would never, ever rely on IRS's information. You know why? Because I did that once, and it was totally wrong. Uh-oh. <laughs> Go to an, a, a tax guy or an accountant, someone right. who knows. Because my, IRS will never accept responsibility if they give you wrong information.
2: I'm thinking of like in a typical retirement account, like a Roth IRA, which I have going. Uh-huh. My thing is that it's my money. And who has the right, Fidelity or whomever, to just blow out an account and send me a check? Who has the right when it's mine anyway?
1: Well, they can do that because it is your money. And they say, here, take your money and do something else with it. We don't want it anymore. That's basically what they told you since in in effect by sending you the check they can do that but you have to take proper steps to protect yourself at this point you're going to have to open up or put up an ira and not a roth ira by the way sid can't put it in a roth ira it had to be a regular ira because a roth ira is set up with pre-tax money a 401k is after tax money you have to keep them separate Oh, but can I do a self-directed? Yes, you can direct it. Yes, that IRA, yes. But it
2: can't be a Roth.
1: It cannot be a Roth. That because be a I regular prefer IRA. the
2: Roth in general.
1: Yeah. Sid, I appreciate the call, and good luck with that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. Let's go to Vince in Fairfield. How are you doing, Vince?
3: I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks, Thanks. for your program. Any stock that pays dividends. Yes. I was looking at that, and I, I think I'm investing, and I want to invest in dividend stocks. I only have money in tax-deferred accounts.
1: An IRA kind of thing.
3: Yeah. Is it inappropriate to hold those inside an IRA? Or if you do hold them, can you ask your broker like Schwab or Scott to, when the dividend comes, put it in another account?
1: No, because it's an IRA. And any money you make in that IRA that you take out is a distribution from your IRA to you into another account. So they probably cannot do that without tax and penalty consequences.
3: But it is inappropriate, basically, I think, to hold that type of stock inside a, de- a tax-deferred.
1: Why would it be inappropriate? I'm not because sure. Because
3: when I pull it out, I'm paying a higher tax, right?
1: When you do pull it out, you'll be retired, and you're going to be paying tax on that money. But it pays a dividend to you. That dividend just goes into your IRA. What would make that dividend any different than any other dividend?
3: Well, if it was in a taxable account, I would be paying a 15% ah. tax. But when I pull it out, I still might be paying 35
1: That's right. Get out be- of an IRA. You're exactly right. And a regular account of dividend would be at a 15% capital gains tax rate. The idea Vince, is when you're in retirement, your tax rate also will be low. Well, it might. But, yeah, it might It might not. Right, so right. If it's
3: higher than the 15, it's not a good situation to hold those within a tax-deferred vehicle, right? That,
1: that would be a reason not to hold them, yes. I don't know if I would not do it, but that is a reason correct. to make it less attractive. Let's say it that way.
3: And I'm thinking, correct, I think you need to be in the stock market to make money. Mm-hmm. But at my age, I'm trying to do it in a safe way, and I'm thinking that usually... Stocks that pay dividends are pretty good companies. They're going to be around. They don't fluctuate a lot. And that's a safe way to invest just as much as it would be being in bonds.
1: I don't think bonds are safe in some situations, unless you hold on the maturity and they're really high-grade bonds. But when you buy funds and things, that's that's not. Yeah, that's more scary because the funds have maturity dates different all the time. So the NAV, net asset value of the bond fund, goes up and down. It could be very erratic.
3: That's correct.
1: So uh, if you hold bonds themselves and hold to the maturity, they will eventually go back to their value and you get your yield. So if you have a proper spread of bonds, it would be a safer thing to do. When you say the word safe and you talk about stocks, I have trouble putting those two together. Safer, large cap, Stocks paying dividends, which you kind of alluded to. You could say those, yeah, those are safer than it's less small. risky might be a good word. Less risk. Less risk. Less risk, yes. Thanks for the call, Vince. Right. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, Vince. You can call right now, and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. Eight 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 ninety nine chart, eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. And you can get through right now.
0: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888 99Chart is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888 992 4278. Let's go to Josh in San Francisco first. How are you doing, Josh?
4: I'm doing great. You know, the question I had was about variable annuities. My mother purchased one in her IRA.
1: Oh, that's terrible.
4: To take things back, she had a bad experience during the uh, pullback in the stock market, never wanting to invest in the market again before. And because the annuity offered a guarantee, she was able to get back in the market. It was about four years ago. And the account's been doing great. And I know the costs are a little bit higher. My question is, what do you think about variable annuities? And without the guarantee, she would have probably stayed in savings or a fixed account.
1: Josh, that's what they do. They sell them to the older people because they need that safety net. But they also are very attracted to the growth prospects. And, you know, I don't want to badmouth annuities completely. There are places for them. First of all, to put an annuity, which is a tax-deferred instrument, inside a tax-deferred instance of an IRA makes no sense to me at all because you're tax-deferred for the 7 or 10 years that the annuity lasts. You know, you have to keep it forever a length of time. Yeah. Most of them are tax-deferred already. So why put, you know, you're not getting any tax benefit because you already have the tax benefit, number one. Number two, the structure is such that that it's complex. These things are devised by insurance companies and very, very complex issues. The average person can't understand how to calculate their returns because they're so complex. The fees are very high. You know what? They're really good when the market is collapsing because you have that floor. That's very good. But the reason why they make you hold on to them for 10 years, because any 10-year period in the stock market has always been up. So the people issuing these annuities know that they're going to make the money off of you
4: in a balanced account and it's been averaging about 10% a year. So, I mean, she's a lot happier than if she would have stayed in a, in
1: a CD. Well, that you know, it's if it's working for her and she likes it, I'm glad she's happy. How old is she? 62 years old. Okay. She should not renew it because she's going to start needing that money. And some of them allow you to take out 10% a year, but she should not renew it in her IRA. Was, she only had a three-year commitment with That's very short. That's unusual. I've always seen them 7 to 10 years. The biggest problem is the getting out of annuity because a lot of people need the money before the time, and they sell them to old people. Oh, I see. And a lot of times they need the money sometime during that 7 to 10-year period, and they can't get it without a nice stiff penalty. And then usually when they pull it out, not only do they have a stiff penalty, but they have to pay taxes on it at ordinary income tax level. And the argument there was, well, they're older, so they don't have a lot of taxes. So therefore, they're going to be taxed at a regular, a low rate. Well, that's not as low as 15% capital gains tax. There's a lot of reasons not to like them, Josh. Be very careful, okay? Okay, thank you. Thanks for the call. Well, let's go to San Francisco and talk to Jose. How are you doing, Jose? Thanks for calling. Uh,
4: as far as bonds go, if a company goes, on, they hold priority as far as getting paid out over common shareholders, correct? Correct. So there's less risk technically than a
1: shareholder? Much less risk than a shareholder.
4: And what about a preferred? How Where do they stand?
1: They're after bonds. Number first in line is secured holders and they could be higher than bondholders. But bonds are considered secured too. There's several categories. There's secured holders, bondholders, preferred stocks, and then common stocks. So in a liquidation, that's the order of who gets what money. Okay. Uh, If you don't mind, Jose, I'm gonna expand on that idea a little bit. So when you buy a bond and the company goes under and it liquidates it, what Jose is saying is that, well, wait a minute, if I have a bond, don't I get the assets of the company? Yes, you're one of the first ones in line to get some of the assets of that company. Doesn't mean that if you bought $10,000 worth of bonds, you'll get $10,000 worth of assets. Uh, it might mean you will get 50%, 75%, but yours is first before the common stockholders. they usually the common stockholders get zip, nothing bondholders used to get something and that goes right to the book value of the company if the company was a good solid company you probably get all your money if it filed bankruptcy but of course it probably wouldn't file bankruptcy it was that solid all right thank you thank you
0: our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-Chart or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com.
2: Tim, Newport
1: Beach. How you doing?
2: Thanks for taking my call. This is an insurance question and I, um, I'm with a, uh, Insurance company, a Mm long-time customer, Mm -hmm. and I have home, rentals, and auto. No claims whatsoever, Mm -hmm. and their premiums have gone through the roof. It's one of the publicly traded companies.
1: Which one? You can tell All all
2: Allstate. Okay. And... um,
1: You know, Tim... You need to get competing bids. You'll find that you'll get a bit much bigger and you get a bargain. You will find other companies that will, if you don't have any claims, remember, and, and just so you'll know, Tim, they find out. If you don't fess up to them, they will find out if you have claims. They have a system called the CIB index, uh, the, the insurance between the insurance companies, and all of them report to the third party that reports, every insurance company reports every claim to a Ooh. third party. And then they all met all the members of this index. You have to pay to be a member. Submit your name and your social security number to that index. They'll find out about every claim you ever made.
2: So you oh can't, good, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: most people don't know that. I used to work in the insurance business. That's how I know.
2: Oh good. Um, What's the downside?
1: <laughs> there's really no downside. Let's even though you're a long-term customer and you say, "But well, gee, I don't want to lose my uh, my 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 relationship." My, you know what? Uh, <laughs> Insurance companies, they don't give two cents about your relationship, Tim. You have too many claims, your history. Let's say all of a sudden you had two or three claims, a rash for some reason, you know, uh, for your house. They'll cancel you. They'll double your rate. They don't care about the 20 years you're with them. You have to shop around. Insurance is always available. You can find a I Guarantee you, Tim, you'll find it for 25% less than you're paying today somewhere. Yep. Yeah, it, you will find it cheaper. All you do is to call up a few companies. Um, you know, there there's so many. If you email me, Tim, I'll give you a, a several companies. I think you should check with.
2: Oh, good. Thank you.
1: Okay, Tim. Appreciate. It. Just go to InvestTalk.com and hit Contact Me. Contact us and type in I'm the guy on the radio show. Could you give me a couple of insurance companies to check some rates for homeowners, auto, and also, Tim. I don't know if you do this, but if you might want to get excess insurance, you get you get umbrella? I do. Okay, then good. That's the way you go about it. Some people buy like, oh, well, I'll buy two million dollars or with their insurance. Well, no, buy five hundred thousand, then get two million umbrella. Yeah, All that's right. much cheaper. Much cheaper way. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate the call. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you. 88899 chart. Beginning our experience, we're here to answer your question.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest
1: Talk. 888 99 charters, our number, 888 992 4278. Let's go to Pete in Corda Madeira. Hi, Pete. Thanks for calling.
4: I have a question, and it has to do with valuation. Uh-huh. A lot of times when you give a value of a stock, you'll say, okay, you do this, do that, and you end up with $50. Yes. And then you will say, well, it's trading for $32. Right. Or it's trading for. and usually it's not just below valuation which you give it, but it's well below the value that you give it.
1: Sometimes, yes. Why is
4: that?
1: Well, we have numbers that we evaluate. We use different factors to come to a value on every stock that we bought. So it's not always the value is higher. No. Mm -mm.
4: When you say it's worth $50... Uh Uh-huh. Does that mean that there's a chance that it's going to actually
1: sell for that price? What we're saying when we say this is a value, we're looking out at the future to about 12 months down the road, and we say sometime in the next 12 months, it probably is going to sell for this number.
4: When you say that, that means when it's below, that's what you want.
1: That's exactly right.
4: So if you're selling for 30 bucks, but then a lot of times I've heard you say,
1: mm-hmm. get out. That's right. Remember, there's two basic ways to look at stocks. There's the fundamental way, and fundamentals are earnings, earnings growth, earnings per share, return on equity, book value, those kinds of numbers, earnings yield and growth to PE. Those are the fundamentals of a company, and based on the fundamentals, we determine or derive at a value of the company. Then the other way to look at stocks is technical, looking at charts. Right. So when I look at a chart, I see that maybe the value is 50 bucks, but i don't. Think it's going to make it right now. Right now, I think it's overbought or oversold. It looks like it's hitting support or resist. That's chart reading. So when I say I would probably sell it, I'm reading a chart that says this stock is starting to look like it's heading down. So lock in your profits and buy it back some other time. Could head
4: up later, but it's not at this point because of just the way the stock is doing. That's right. It's
1: a loser. At least for a short term period, it looks like it's going to be a loser.
4: But valuation, that's a fundamental, right?
5: That,
1: that's a fundamental, correct.
4: That, that's a fundamental. Okay. Fundamental. I got you. Thank you.
5: Thanks, Peter. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial. Invest Talk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial Practices Parallel Investing, where Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about Parallel Investing and the other KPP Financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now,
1: 888-99-CHART. Serena in Napa Valley. How you doing? Or in Napa. How you doing, Serena?
2: Hi. I'm a younger person. Okay. I recently worked at a job where they offered me um, the benefit of having a 401k plan and company stock. Great. Um, however, I've um, left that company in order to pursue higher income so I could support myself a little better.
1: Oh, that's always a good thing.
2: Yes. And now I have these teeny little balances and I'm not sure if it would be uh, beneficial to me to keep it Roll it over, get a check, or what I should do?
1: Do not get a check, okay? Because okay. then you'll have to pay taxes on it immediately, and you probably got a higher-paying job, so you might be in a higher higher tax bracket. You don't definitely don't want to pay taxes on it. When you say teeny, are you talking about under a thousand dollars?
2: Yes, I've got about five hundred in 401k and about three hundred in the company stock.
1: Okay, the company stock is that in the 401k?
2: Looks like it.
1: If it's inside the 401k, I would probably sell those stock, and I'd roll that 401k into an IRA. Okay. It's very simple to do. You can go to a bank, you can go to Schwab, you can go to Fidelity, you can go to almost any one of those and say, hey, I have a 401k, I'd like to roll into an IRA, and they'll, they'll go out of their way to help you.
2: Does it cost anything to do that?
1: Free. Well, let me rephrase that. Sometimes the four hundred and one k people charge like thirty bucks or fifty bucks, but most of them do not. It's generally free. Okay. Okay. Then, once in the IRA, you can put it in a money market. You can buy a mutual fund with it. You can add to it up to four thousand dollars a year. And if you're young, and you do sound young, it would be mm-hmm. wise to add to it. Does the new company offer four hundred and one k?
2: Um. No, not yet.
1: Okay. So then I'd roll it into an IRA, move it out from where it is today, and just, you can go to the bank and put it there if you wanted to. Okay. You know, use CDs. But don't take it, because, you know, this is your retirement. You're going to build it over the years to come.
2: Okay. Perfect. Okay? Thank Thanks you for calling
1: help. Thank Bye. you. Let's go to JP in San Francisco. How you doing, JP?
3: Hey, I got a question. You know how uh, whenever you talk to a uh, finance radio talk show, uh-huh. they always uh, talk about how analysts, is, like, they're just pumping up stocks.
1: They're usually wrong. So I mean, They're not always wrong, but they're usually wrong.
3: But majority of the time, they're wrong.
1: Right. I would say more than 50%.
3: So what about using
4: as a strategy, just going opposite what they always talk about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that might be a good strategy. I've never never thought about that. (laughs) What I have noticed is what happens is they're usually wrong. It's the degree of how wrong they're going to be. Someone did a study, I read this a few months back, from the very initial looking at a stock. In other words, let's say eBay came out with earnings tonight, and now the analysts are going to be predicting what they're going to do next quarter. From this point right now, they're usually off, according to this article, about 40, percent. Wow. But what they do is they keep changing their numbers as the quarter goes by. So even at the very end, they're still wrong, they're just not as wrong as they were before. Now that could be wrong high or low. You never know how, which side of the coin they're gonna be wrong on. Huh. So that's the problem. That's interesting. All right, good enough. Okay, Thank you. Thank you. You can call right now be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART. Eight, 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 nine, nine, two, four, two, seven, eight. And you get through right now.
6: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy and where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress-testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use. And that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at hackerone.com. That's H A C K E R O N E.com. Hackerone.com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99 Chart, 888 99 C H A R T, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
2: Hey, Justin or Steve, this is Chris from Philadelphia. First off, thank you guys for doing what you do. Love listening to the podcast. And I've also had the pleasure of calling up and uh, engaging with you guys over the phone, and I think that's awesome. So my question is about the cannabis industry. I'm looking to know if there's anything on the radar for cannabis. I've been searching for an IPO that perhaps I could get involved with, the only thing that I've been able to find are like penny stocks which I know are, you know, not advisable. So I was looking at like MJ N A. So I couldn't find anything if that was like anything close to an investable stock, in other words. So like you said, if you could uh let me know what you think, I'd appreciate it. Otherwise, thanks for everything you do. Take care.
1: You gotta realize that uh cannabis marijuana is still federally illegal in this country. So I would focus on, you know, companies that are not necessarily in this in this country. There's a couple of big cannabis companies out of Canada that are trading on our exchange, stock exchange. And that's where I would focus. I wouldn't focus on startups or, or, you know, I don't like penny stocks at all. You know that. So don't even worry about, don't even think about those. But there are some big cannabis companies and I would focus on those that are outside the United States and really uh, Canada is the there's a couple up there that I think you can invest in if that's what if that's where you want to go. 888-99-CHARTERS is our number, everybody. and can reach us. We have lines open, 888-992-4278. Hi, this is Corey from Texas. I'm calling
7: regarding some specific SEC filings. When doing due diligence regarding buying a specific stock, how much merit would you put into analyzing the Form 4, which is the Statement of Changes in Beneficial Ownership of Securities, uh, to kind of see who is buying or selling what stock. Thank you.
1: Well, over the years, I've noticed that that doesn't really push the stock price. As I said in the previous question, it's institutions that push the stock price. So the filings, I do like to know, when you have insider ownership, it's nice to know that they're not getting those shares, buying or selling by, that's how they're compensated by the company. Because you get a lot of that, right? Options from the company for you, the manager of the company, and they want to realize some, some, uh, payday for that. They'll, they'll trigger the options and sell the stock. And it looks like the, the owners are selling the company. The managers are selling their stock and therefore they're not attractive. What you really want to see is ownership, uh, insiders buying the stock in the public market. And it would be nice if they would separate that out, and you would know that that's what's happened. But you kind of and don't know, so until after the fact, at least. So, you know, it's a it's a difficult question, um, but you do want to see institutional ownership increasing. You really do.
7: Hey guys, Jacob from Dallas here. So I've really been kind of loading up on gold and silver uh, ETFs and some of the kind of specific mining companies over the last year and and really piled on kind of in the last few months obviously you know it's it's worked out pretty well i guess my question is what kind of signal are you guys looking for to maybe trim some of those positions? Obviously, you know, you kind of want to keep things balanced uh, as much as possible. Is there any market signal that you're looking for to, to maybe cut back a little bit or, or reduce the holdings? Uh, mine have gotten a little bit bloated in comparison to the rest of my portfolio uh, just with the recent gains. So I was curious if, uh, you know, maybe not a specific exit price, but uh, maybe just a market signal or the economy turning around. I uh, know Fed's still printing money. so. Uh, a little bit confused there and, and some guidance would be really helpful thanks
6: mike great question and i'll tell you what we are thinking first is what would trigger fiscal sanity from congress right i, I said before how you know we went into this year at a trillion dollar deficit and now we're going to be closer to five trillion uh there there's really no end in sight to the spending and the economy while getting better is no longer getting better at a, at a fast clip, right? We had a pretty decent quick bounce, not only in the markets, but also the economy, but still well below where we were in February. And that means a recession instead of a depression, just a, a solid strong recession is kind of what we're in. And that is requiring fiscal stimulus to, to keep it where uh, where we're at. And so until there's more traction in the economy, without fiscal spending, then I don't see this changing. I see Congress continue to spend, 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 and that means debasing the currency, and the Fed will monetize, monetize, monetize. And until there's some hint at that changing, I don't think there's much reason to trim very much, to be honest with you, because I don't see the dollar strengthening, uh, and I don't see debasement reversing until something like that happens.
3: Hello, Steve and Justin, this is Jay from Georgia. Quick question for you. You've invested into a stock you've researched, you like how it looks, you have no intention of selling it. It starts to drop. When will be a good time to buy more? I know after 5% drop, it's not advantageous to do that. But is it 10 or 20%? Uh, I look forward to listening to the answer, thank you.
6: To me, it'd be at support. So things are going well, it starts dropping, it starts pulling back, which is not atypical, right? Nothing goes straight up or straight down. You get pullbacks, consolidation periods, et cetera. And uh, I would use a chart, find moving averages, find previous breakout areas, like I've said before. Uh, and if it retests those areas, then that's when you would pick up more shares. So don't use a percentage. Every stock can be very different. Some stocks might move 3% in one day and that could be a huge move for that particular stock think of you know big blue chip businesses others 10 percent in a day are is normal because it's it's a volatile name and maybe a tech name might be a biotech whatever that is the volatility may be higher than normal so i wouldn't use a, sp- a specific percentage i would look at charting moving averages support areas and that's where i would be adding to a position on pullbacks
5: this is Invest Talk. Steve and Justin, thank you for listening. Christmas will be here soon. The start of a new year promises many changes. For investors, the challenge will be how to stay focused on maintaining your assets while navigating market volatility. That's where Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help. So tell your friends about the free Invest Talk podcasts listen live or download anytime at itunes spotify google play or investtalk.com the phone lines are open and waiting for your questions now 888-99-CHART
3: hey steve and justin this is jonathan Collin out of utah my question was about debt as i've been listening to your podcast for the last couple months i hear you referring to debt a lot when you're analyzing different companies how do you determine if a company has too much debt? Is there a certain debt equity ratio that you want to stay under? Does it just depend on the industry or sector, or are you more looking at a coverage ratio, which I understand is you know a company's ability just to make debt payments? I've got a couple of companies that I'm holding and looking at, and I can't figure out why they might be taking a heavier hit than other companies in the industry because pretty much all things seem equal to me, so that's kind of confusing, and I wonder if it's just the amount that they're leveraged. Anyway, thanks. Uh, love the show.
1: Yeah, leverage or, in other words, debt is a difficult subject because there's no one answer. Some companies, like financial companies, financial institutions, use debt to grow their companies so they have high debt. And you think, wow, that's a lot of debt they got to pay. But they borrow money to lend money. And it's you know, they're supposed to have a high debt. Other companies, like a tech company, why do they have high debt? They shouldn't have any debt. So it's a hard answer as to what companies carrying debt is good, bad. But in general, unless it's a company that uses debt to grow the company, debt is not necessarily a good thing. But it's not a bad thing either, depending on the company. So you just have to be, it has to be companies specific and sector specific as to whether it's a good or bad thing to have debt. There is no Answer I can give you here. Use this number, that doesn't exist.
2: Hey Stephen Justin, my name's Justin. I've been listening for a few weeks and uh, love the show. I'm in my early thirties. I'm a new investor and have about twenty five thousand that I would like to invest for long term hold and growth. I'm a little apprehensive right now because the market is so volatile and it seems like all of the top analysts believe that we may be soon trending downwards. No matter what happens in November, in my position, are there any investments that make sense in a time like this? And if so, what would you recommend? Thanks in advance and keep up the good work.
6: Well, there's always opportunity in every market. So don't get discouraged by a broad market that might be overvalued, right? Because the market right now is very concentrated, very top heavy in the very expensive tech names. But that does not mean that there aren't opportunities elsewhere on the industrial side of the economy, a commodity side, which tends, right now is very, very cheap in relation to history. If you've been listening to invest Talk for any length of time, you know right now, I think precious metals are a great place to be. So don't get discouraged just by the broader overarching valuation of the market and how maybe disconnected it is from the overall economy. Try to focus on individual names, learn about different industries. Take this time to learn more than invest. Hope that helps.
0: Our invest talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions to do that on your own thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on contact Steve or contact Justin on investtalk.com.
3: Hey there, Steve and Justin, this is Leo from up in the Bay area. And I've got a question for you all. on. Um, with all the stimulus and you know all the Fed intervention, seems like the dollar is weakening, and I kind of think it's going to continue to do so further, possibly a whole lot. And I know when the dollar weakens, it means other currencies are basically strengthening. And I'm curious, what's the best way to take advantage of that? Is there a way to invest, you know, the, a retail investor take advantage of such a situation? Curious to hear your response. Thank you very much. Have a great day.
1: Yeah, the easiest way is through exchange traded funds, ETFs. And I've been talking about gold for a long time, and there is a strong relationship with dollar goes down, gold goes up. Gold miners go up, gold price goes up. But there, I think there's an ETF that specifically, and I don't remember the symbol, I couldn't give it out anyways, but there is an ETF, I think, that is banking, it goes up when the dollar goes down. there's a, a specific relationship. The ETF designed to go up in price as the dollar goes down. So I, it's out there. All you do is Google it. I'm sure you can find it. But the easiest way is, to, is precious metals. They will spike if the dollar goes down, and they'll go up if inflation hits. But dollar going down usually means inflation's going up. So that's how I would play it. Let's go to Jay in Oceanside. Hi, Jay. How you doing?
8: I had my first kid about a month ago, and I'm asking you uh, what's the best way to start putting away uh, money for his college.
1: There are several ways you do it. Two uh, of the most popular are 529 plans. Have you heard of them, Jay?
8: Yeah. I've, I've done a lot of the research, and I was basically asking, you know, is it, would you go with the 529? And if you did go with the 529, what can you recommend what state to go through?
1: I know that Illinois has a very good one. Okay. The only way I know that, Jay, is people tell me. Okay. Um, I haven't done the research on it to say, yeah, that's a very good one. But I know a lot of people pick Illinois because it gives you a lot of freedom to pick your own investments.
8: What I've found out so far, it's either freedom with a couple, you know, a little bit more percentage taken out of it for fees, or it's
1: right.
8: hardly any choices, but very cheap.
1: Yeah, more restrictive, cheap, freedom, uh, more expensive. That would be normal. But then you also have the Coverdell. Have you looked into that?
8: Um, yeah, it's, it was hard for me to figure out the exact difference between okay. the two. Okay,
1: let me tell you. Coverdell is an IRA for your child, okay? And I think it's $2,000 is the maximum you can put in that. A 529 plan, you can put a lot more money away. But the five twenty nine plan is only for accredited college only. A Coverdell can be used for private elementary school or high school, or it can be used for truck driving school. Doesn't have to be used for accredited college only. Okay.
8: okay so any type of like training school basically. Yes.
1: Now do you plan to have more children, Jay? Uh, yes. The 529 and the Coverdell can be rolled over to another child. So let's say the first child doesn't spend the money or doesn't go to school. You can roll that over to the next child, and both of them have that. And a Coverdell, you can invest it anywhere you want to.
8: So okay. you see individual stocks and things like that?
1: That's right. You uh-huh. can do that. You can go to Fidelity or Schwab or some of the other big houses that I'm Most of them offer Coverdell's because they think you're going to continue to invest in it.
8: Are uh, they taxed the same way, where you don't have to pay the taxes once it's invested? Yes. Okay.
1: So that's your choice. You can put more money away in a 529. you got to pick a state, because it's all 529s are state-sponsored. Some states are restrictive. Some states are less restrictive. The less restrictive cost more money. The more restrictive cost less money, but you get choice. Right. A uh, Coverdell is only $2,000 a year. They'll probably bump it over the years up, but that's not a lot. But that may be what you can afford, and maybe that's all you want to do. You know, but you have more freedom. You can put it anywhere, and you can spend it on any education.
8: Do you know the penalties on the Coverdale if if you take it out and don't use it for any type of training?
1: It's usually uh, 10%. Okay. That That's the common penalty out that's, there.
8: Okay. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks for the call. Bye. Marty, Tracy, how you doing? Yeah,
2: my question is on stocks that have like a 12-month cycle. If you were to buy those like when like, say, at the low end and some at the high end, do you have to keep them for at least a year in order to pay less capital gains tax? Or?
1: Yes. The rule is, Marty, that uh, within 12 months, if you buy and sell a stock within 12 months, you have to pay, if you have a gain, you pay the tax rate of your ordinary income tax rate. If you hold it for 12 months or longer, then it reverts to 15%. And you never have to pay more than 15% at. So if you're coming up close to 12 months on something, you know you kind of like you got to wait. Should I sell it? Maybe I should hold on to it for another few days or a few weeks. You know exactly. Because I've been
2: looking at a lot of stocks that do that, and I'm just curious if I should try to get into them. I'm waiting for them to be at their lows.
1: Be wise to wait to buy them at good buy point. You know the overall rule, Marty, is always buy the stock at a good buy point. You know, yeah. taxes will take care of themselves. You don't worry about that until you get close to the 12 month. Then you start thinking about it. Okay, Marty, appreciate the call. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
0: Listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Bill in San Francisco, how are you doing, Bill? I've heard you talk about
4: annuities. I ran across a new one which I've never heard of before. I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I'm not, so I'd like to get your pros and cons on it, please. Okay. That's what equity index
1: annuity. Think about what they're doing. An equity index annuity, everybody, is an annuity. An annuity. It's an insurance product in which they take your money that you invest, and they invest it in, in an index. Now, they usually tell you which index. It will be the S&P 500, or did they specify? Yeah,
4: there are different ones. I think okay. one
1: they use as a was S&P 500. Yeah, that's one of the most popular ones. Okay, so what they do is they take the money, and they give you an accurate index annuity, and they also guarantee a return, usually 3 to 5%. I don't know what this one did, Bill, but they usually do guarantee a return. The problem you have with this is that annuities charge anywhere from 2 to 3% annual cost. What are they doing okay. with that annuity? They're buying an index with it. They know that they index over a long period of time. And remember, they're tying you up in an annuity for 7 years or 10 years, depending on the length of the annuity. So they know over that period of time the index will return approximately 10% annually. So they know, they're smart people, their odds are with them, the probabilities are with them that they'll get 10% of return. So they guarantee you three without too much trouble, and then they can charge high fees for holding the annuity for you. So they make lots of money on the fees, therefore reducing your ultimate gain because you can't You've got to pay the fees out of the return you're getting. It's a very good deal for the insurance company. They love these. Well, the way they pitched it to me
4: was that if you make money, they take a piece of the action and you get money. But if the index goes down, you don't lose from that. They then index you down the next year Mm -hmm. at the lower rate, but you still have the same amount of money as before.
1: That's right. Then this one is promising you. Remember, I told you they always promise you a return. This one is just promising you'll never go down. Right. Th- that's not as good as others I've heard. Mm. Others I've heard, they promise you at least a small return every year. Uh, Don't think this is something great for you. It's not.
4: <laughs> do they still have the mortality rates and the uh, all the other fees in there?
1: Not usually. Again, these are very complex insurance contracts. They're hard to understand. Trust me, I've read them. I used to be in the insurance business. They're very difficult. Mm. Mm. Uh, I'll tell you this. In general, the person who's making the most money is the insurance company. I don't want to say that you won't do well. You can do well, but you can do better if you take the same amount of money and put it in an equity index yourself and then uh, take some of that money and maybe buy a CD with it and spread the risk around or something, and you'll do better. They just give you that comfort of knowing they guarantee that you will never lose. Everybody loves that word, guarantee. Good luck, Bill. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to go to Brian in San Diego. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing
3: great, sir. How are you doing?
1: Good. Thanks for calling.
3: What's the difference between a Roth IRA and
2: a Standard IRA?
1: Okay. And you know what? Uh, I'll bet you, Brian, there are a lot of people out there have the same question, just don't want to ask it. It's very simple. Both are retirement vehicles, obviously. Right. Roth IRA, the only difference you have is how the taxes are treated, okay? In a Roth IRA, you make money, you earn money right now, and you say, I'm going to put my money into a Roth IRA. Well, the money that you're putting in there is taxed, income taxed. So it's after tax. It's just regular money that you have left over you're going to put in there. Now, a regular IRA is after tax. In other words, if you put $3,000 in a Roth IRA, it's after tax money. If you put $3,000 in a regular IRA, you get to take that $3,000 off your adjusted gross income. So you don't have to pay taxes on it now once it's in the IRAs since a regular IRA you never pay taxes on the money going in when you start taking it out when you're 65 you have to pay taxes on it every dime you take out of a regular IRA so let's say you put three thousand dollars and over the years it grew to ten thousand dollars when you take that ten thousand dollars out you gotta pay tax on the entire ten thousand dollars in a Roth IRA Since you paid tax on the money when you put it in, and it grows from $3,000 to $10,000, when you start taking it out, you never have to pay taxes on it. So that whole 10,000, you don't have to pay taxes on now, ever. So, on the growth in a Roth IRA, on the growth as it grows over the years, you never pay taxes in a Roth, but you do pay taxes on all the money in a regular IRA. There's no difference in its uh, distribution as far as the age goes.
3: You have to be what 59 and a half
1: or something like that. On a Roth, the difference is is you never have to take it out. Okay. But on a regular IRA, you have to start taking out at 70 and a half. Okay. Because they want their tax dollars on it.
3: Sir, you're you're a scholar.
1: I want to thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate the call. Nice evening. Thank you. Thank you. you. Before we go, you can see more about today's topic, go to InvestTalk.com. If you want to contact me directly, easy leave a message on the machine or go to InvestTalk.com. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for listening.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.